Saturday, the 8th of July. I'm Randy Kure coming at you with a weekend edition of What's Up the Sports podcast. We are live via Twitter spaces. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're downloading today's episode as a podcast or watching it on YouTube, appreciate you as always. Uh, Today's episode is all about the season what that was in the NHL. The Vegas Golden Knights are on top of the pyramid, defeating the Florida Panthers in convincing fashion. Is the NHL gaining more interest, especially in the southern United States? Uh, a number of key free agents have found a new home. A number of key free agents apparently don't want to call Canada their home. And is Chicago going to be a home of some glorious memories with Connor Bedard heading to the Midway? I mean, uh, hey, look, it's the second week of July. If I'm talking hockey, I am so uh, honored uh, to have uh, today's panelists here uh, Will Pesic is a producer for News 12 out of Hunter Valley in the Long Island, New York area. He just finished an overnight shift and is on his way home as we speak. Uh, Will, uh, thank you so much for your dedication and I <laughs> uh, hope everything's going well. How are you? Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, first of all, thanks for having Liam and I. Um, we can't tell you how much it means to us, you know, to come on your show. Um, and again, it's totally not a problem at all. Anytime I can talk sports, um, it's it's my passion. It's it's what wakes me up in the morning to go do my job. So uh, I appreciate it. And I just wanted to answer your question about the NHL uh, gaining more interest in the southern uh, states of America. Um, I think this Stanley Cup was bad rating-wise because you have probably, and no disrespect to the Florida Panthers, the worst team in the playoffs go to the cup final against one of the newest franchises in hockey. So for an old timer, that doesn't sound like an enticing matchup, right? Vegas <laughs> versus Florida. But as a well, you, uh, fan, Actually, uh, Will, Will sorry, uh, if I could just quickly interrupt. I do want to uh, introduce Liam uh, as well. Uh, you know, yes, I, I definitely yes. want to jump on uh, what you're about to uh, get, uh, get at. Uh, but uh, Liam Godimer is the uh, director of broadcasting and uh, communications for the Atlanta Gladiators of the East Coast Hockey League. I uh, just completed uh, his uh, uh, first season, albeit uh, halfway through the season, uh, joining the Gladiators. Uh, he's ready for uh, his first full campaign uh, this coming fall. Uh, Liam, congratulations on uh, what you've accomplished so far. Thank you so much for, for joining me today, my friend. Randy, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, like I said, uh, me and Will, it's always a pleasure to come on and talk hockey, just talk sports in general with you. Uh, and again, we're excited for today's episode. And like you said, uh, anytime we're able to talk about hockey in July is a good day. So No, absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Will, as you were. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I'm sure Liam could attest to this too. I mean, he used to live in New York. I mean, now he lives down in the South, so he could attest more to how hockey is down there. 
But I think from a hockey fan's perspective, living in America, being a diehard hockey fan, I didn't mind seeing, it, uh, you know, Florida versus Vegas. You know, Florida had the underdog story, right? They came into the playoffs, the worst team statistically in the postseason, barely getting in. If Pittsburgh beat Chicago, they're not in the playoffs, right? So Pittsburgh lost to Chicago, and now Florida has this Cinderella run. Meanwhile, Vegas seems like they steamrolled every opponent they faced. Every opponent they faced, it wasn't even close. And it was quite impressive what they did. So I, I can understand the non-diehard fans, the casual hockey fans, not having an interest. But for me, and I'm sure for Liam as well, it was kind of cool seeing Vegas, who's never, you know, I've just saying they were winning anything. They've been in the league for six years. They saw up against Florida. It was kind of the two teams you didn't quite expect to start of the season. Well, you didn't expect it, but I mean, is it possible? I mean, obviously Vegas, uh, they went through a, a merry-go-round of uh, goaltenders. I mean, they had Aiden Hill lead them to yeah. the uh, to the promised land. And I mean, Sergei Bobrovsky, he had uh, uh, flashes of brilliance, but as you mentioned, uh, got by the uh, skin of their teeth in order to make it to the final. And then uh, you know, um, um, obviously uh, beat uh, my Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, Carolina. And of course, the uh, team with the best record in NHL history, that being Boston. But, you know, would you call that a fluke? Uh, because the way I see it is that Obviously, uh, the Panthers didn't have that strong of a regular season. But, Liam, I mean, uh, that's what playoff uh, in sports is all about, is it not? You have to throw the regular season completely out the window once it's playoff time, and especially uh, when it comes to hockey. And the Florida Panthers, like you said, are a terrific example of that. You know, definitely an underwhelming regular season. Well, like you mentioned, the last team to qualify uh, for the playoffs and, like, you also mentioned one game could have literally decided um, whether the Penguins or the Panthers made the playoffs in Florida, of course, with the subsequent uh, Cinderella run. So I think it's great for hockey. Um, I think it was an awesome run by the Panthers. It stinks that they weren't able to put it all together um, and take down the Vegas Golden Knights. But uh, again, for me, as a diehard hockey fan, it was very cool, like Will said, to see two teams who had never won a Stanley Cup before uh, compete against one another in the finals. So. I think uh, what my problem is, is that, I mean, Vegas is just so new in the professional sports scene. That's number one. Uh, obviously, they started, uh, the the Golden Knights is the uh, first team uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, they started, of course, in 2017. Uh, Miami, uh, well, uh, getting back to Vegas, I mean, now they have the uh, the Raiders. There's talk of an NBA team over there. Oakland Athletics maybe uh, heading over to to Vegas, Miami. I mean, it wasn't really that long ago uh, when uh, the Miami Heat and the Florida Marlins uh, came into um, uh, their respective leagues. I mean, it was in the 80s. I mean, Florida Marlins started in the early 90s. But as we know, uh, Miami is not that diehard of a sports town. And what I'm wondering more than anything, I mean, like we've seen it ourselves. Uh, the Miami Heat had the incredible run with LeBron James. And as soon as they thought that they were going to lose the NBA Finals in the against the San Antonio Spurs, Ray Allen hits uh, an incredible three-point three-pointer to send that game into overtime. Meanwhile, hundreds of fans had left the arena. So, I mean, I guess what my question is, is that, 
is it so much that a team didn't uh, have a great regular season and just caught lightning in a bottle as Florida did? Or is it more so because it is the city of Miami, with due respect to them, not the greatest sports community? Randy, I think it's not a matter of who the team is. I think it's a matter of when you play them. And I think we've seen the example quite often in sports. Like you mentioned, you know, South Florida, Miami, the Heat, the big Ray Allen shot. Look at the Panthers. But look around sports. And a lot of these, and you want to say not expected, right? But look around sports and you see it all the time. Like we just saw the Panthers go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And the fans may not be diehard fans there, but it's a result-driven business where, again, no disrespect to people that live in these areas, but if you're debate and if you're a free agent and you have it all two offers on your table to play in South uh, South Florida or play in Winnipeg, when you know the winters in Winnipeg <laughs> are going to be below zero compared to Florida, where your winters are sixty-five degrees and sunny, so I think all the players are starting to realize that. It's just, you know, the quality of life. And here in the States, you have the no state income tax, where in Florida you get all of your salary, where states like New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania, where half your paycheck gets to state taxes. And I think what's made these teams so successful is although there's not a lot of fans in the area, they are going to areas where it's a, a successful quality of life, if that makes sense, kind of. Well, it definitely makes sense. And uh, I think you had forgotten the anonymity uh, that, uh, certain players can have uh, playing yep. in non-hockey communities. You think yep. of, uh, you know, Dallas. Uh, I mean, could Tyler Sagan uh, walk through a mall in Dallas and not really get noticed? Uh, I think it's very possible. If Tyler Sagan played for uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs or and the Nashville, Oilers. Too. Nashville is the perfect example. I was just in Nashville for the Country Music Festival back in June, and I asked everybody there, I said, how do you like the Predators here? They go, we are diehard Nashville fans, but we can't tell you a lick about hockey. So they care about the Predators because the Predators exist down there, and they put on a good product, and it's a great place to live. It's a great area to live, but the fans just simply, they care about their team. But if there was a regular night against, you know, Predators versus Blackhawks on a Tuesday in February, they may not go compared to a, a problem? game in April. Is it Is a problem? A... Because, I mean, uh, like uh... – Think of any NFL player in any NFL team on any NFL city. Yeah. It's Chances out. are that person's going to get recognized, and the NFL yeah. is pretty popular in the U.S. Right. right. Like, if you run into Patrick Mahomes in Tuscany, Italy, you're going to know who Patrick Mahomes is. <laughs> if you run into Philip Forsberg in uh, Dallas, Texas, you might not know who Philip Forsberg is. And I think it goes back to the conversation me, you, and Liam had, had a couple months ago where we spoke about the NHL um, populating their players and gaining more recognizability for some of their star athletes. Like now their poster boy child is Connor Bedard. And I think Liam could attest to this too. If you show Connor Bedard to anybody, we ain't going to know what it is. But if you show somebody Victor Wembenyama, you're going to know who it is. Yeah. I just asked Britney Spears uh, and we'll be talking <laughs> about that in a moment, but uh, I mean, yeah. And we had talked about uh, this as you had mentioned, Will and uh you know, Liam, I mean, the reality is, is that uh, there are four known major sports in North America, and it seems that hockey is a distant fourth. And 
when uh, Gary Bettman became commissioner of the National Hockey League back in uh, the early 90s, uh, there was a blitz to include the southern United States uh, uh, in the NHL family. And it started with San Jose. And as uh, Will mentioned about Nashville, we talked about Florida. There's Tampa. There's Dallas. Uh, Arizona, but uh, how much longer is Arizona going to last? But uh, with regards to this particular uh, playoff edition with Carolina, Dallas, uh, Vegas, Florida making the uh, final four, I mean, that could only help the NHL getting more recognition in not only the southern United States, but the U.S. as a whole. Exactly. And that was what was coming to my mind, right, when Will was going through his point is that when he was talking about um, all of these successful teams, they're all coming from the southern part of the United States. I mean, look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, you know, who have won, you know, two of the last four Stanley Cups. So, you know, right out of the state of Florida, we see the Panthers again on their miracle run uh, as well. So I think hockey is popular everywhere. I think it's going to take a little bit more time um, for it to grow exponentially uh, in the southern part of the U.S., but that I think the fact that it's not where New York is or where Toronto is, I don't think that that's a knock um, on how the NHL is marketing its players. Well, and, uh, you know, we're going to get to uh, uh, Vegas and this incredible run that they've had over the, uh, it's not even decade. But uh, obviously, uh, I'm pretty sure that you guys don't know what you were doing on the 22nd of June, 2016, but that's when the NHL announced that uh, they were going to go to Vegas. And I was skeptical. I mean, look, as a traditional hockey fan from Canada, uh, hockey in Vegas, I just didn't see a jive. And seven years later, they have won the Stanley Cup. I mean, uh, Will, how would you describe uh, Vegas's uh, journey uh since day one i mean i definitely risky if i'm being honest definitely risky i mean you got to look at you know how they started right this was a vegas team that said we want to be competitive right away and liam and i were talking about this earlier in text messages about baseball playoffs similar to hockey playoffs where the playoffs are simply a crapshoot right like nobody predicted the vegas golden knights going to the stanley cup final in year one right nobody predicted that and here they are seven years later in, in the cup final after the best team in hockey history gets dethroned. They face a number eight seed who made it really hard. Kachuk is playing with a broken uh, sternum, for Christ's sake, in the Stanley Cup <laughs> final. But back to Vegas, it's like it was very risky because they have no future, right? They literally have no future. Where are their draft picks? Where is their prospects? Who is in their AHL system? They threw a lot of that away to get the guys like, Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Alex Petrangelo with the contract they gave him. You know, Aiden Hill is locked up now for two years at $4.5 million. They don't have a future because they don't have a lot of cap space or, or, or draft picks even. I mean, Keegan Colazar seems like their best prospect if he's, if, he, if he's even considered a prospect at this point. So it was risky. It paid off seven years later. But at some point, they're going to look themselves in the eye that they might be bad for a decade. Because they have absolutely no future. None. They have no future at all. Well, but the fact of the matter is, is that uh, they're in one of the most appealing cities in North America. 
And, Which is very, very true, and 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 it's attractable to free agents. But at some point, they're going to have to say to themselves, "We need to start fresh." They don't have a franchise icon. None of those guys who won a cup were drafted by Vegas. Jack Eichel was a saver. Mark Stone was a senator. Like they don't. Have, Petrangelo was a blue. So they don't have a franchise icon that's drafted, that's groomed by Vegas to be that guy. And it's going to take a while for them to get that if they continue to have success, which is why I'm saying it was a risky gamble and it paid off. While Seattle, Seattle had a different approach. Seattle drafted very high. They wanted to start young, Shane Wright, and they didn't rush it. And they're not rushing it. They're following the system that Dave Haxtell has in place for them to be successful long term. I see where you're going with this, but I mean, and is it uh, comparable a six-season run versus a two-season run? Because nobody really knew what Vegas was gambling with when they were two seasons in, were they not? I mean, they they go to the cup final in their rookie uh, season, but then they turf Gerard Gallant after three their third season. And, I, you know, I was thinking about this as you were talking about, like, is this sustainable? And Liam, I mean, Will does make a decent point in the fact that you uh, uh, gamble with your future. You know, yeah, sure, it paid off. But in the long run, is this something that uh, could be a huge problem for the next five, ten, seven, ten years in uh, Vegas where they don't really have a lot of pieces to build for the years to come? I think it's a double-edged sword. I see where both of you guys are coming from because, Randy, going to your point, I think the allure of playing in Las Vegas will always be there for free agents. So necessarily building up your developmental pipeline, is it necessary at this juncture coming off of a Stanley Cup victory and knowing that players are going to want to be on your team uh, in the future no matter what? You know, so that's kind of where I definitely see your point, Randy. But again, going back to what Will said, I was very critical um, of the many moves that the Vegas Golden Knights made uh, in their first couple of years uh, of existence that were really just risky. And again, like if, if it didn't culminate in a Stanley Cup this past season, you know, I'm not sure where I'd be at, you know, with my mindset, just evaluating this team. Um, there have been many, many trades that have had me scratching my head, but Randy, it doesn't matter because they walked out with the Stanley Cup last year and all those moves, it's all for one reason. That's to one day win a Stanley Cup and they were able to do that. So I can be critical all I want. I can look at all these trades and say that they were being uh, a little bit overzealous and, you know, trying to make too many moves in a short amount of time. Um, but they walked away with a Stanley Cup championship. And I don't really think they necessarily care about the long term at this point. And why should they? Because they're having sustained success in the present time. In the present time, for sure. It's interesting to see what will happen uh, in the uh, the years to come. Uh, guys, I do want to give a shout out to Jay Cardinale, who is listening to us via Twitter spaces. And amongst uh, a couple of comments, he did write, the way that Vegas built their squad was not the way you build their team. They draft a lot of older and expensive players. They bought at the deadline pretty much every year. But it worked. They won a cup in their sixth season of the franchise. Jake, thanks so much for the uh, for the comment. Yeah, but at the same time, though, Randy, just like to bump off that, if I can, of course, it's where do you go because you're trading the assets you currently have for these players, right? You don't have a first round pick. Stones got acquired. You don't have a first round pick because you traded away for Jack Eichel. At some point, they're going to have to say we need to start building from within now. 
You could be competitive and still build within. You could pick in the first round, mid to late first round picks, see what you have. Trading away assets. Like, would it hurt Vegas to say, you know what, Alex Petrangelo, we're going to look to trade you. Maybe get a first to second round pick back and a mid and a low to mid-level prospect where you know, okay, we might have something here. Because you could do that and still be competitive. Well, or you could uh, draft uh, a nobody in the third round and that person being someone like Aiden Hill and you could he could uh, lead them to a uh, Stanley Cup and, dare I say, threaten for the, uh, the Conn Smythe Award. But I mean, like, it, it, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, uh, to scale it back to uh, my neck of the woods here, and obviously the Toronto Raptors uh, uh, traded a ton of assets uh, to uh, make it to that championship in 2019. And now, where are they? I mean, Fred Van Vliet is gone. Kawhi Leonard uh, left the first moment he could. Uh, is uh, Pascal Siakam going to stick around? And is it worth it? Is it worth, and I mean, it's a question not only for Vegas, but I guess uh, just uh, professional sports in general, where, you know, the Toronto Raptors had a consistent uh, playoff uh, clip and they made, uh, you know, a number of uh, playoff runs. They won a couple of playoff series and then they traded DeMar DeRozan, dare I say, the most popular Raptor in uh, franchise history. Uh, and now do they have that identity anymore? And, you know, it's just uh, such an interesting, I, I don't even know if there is a question that that, that I could, uh, to follow up with what I'm uh, saying here. But, well, I mean, is it worth going all in if you can't make it last for multiple seasons? Depends how you view it. Would you rather have several years of sustained success with no championship or one championship and a bunch of nothing years thereafter? If you're asking me, I would rather the championship, even if I've, you know, varied a little or no direction. Will, what do you think? It's a very interesting I, question. I understand I just, both sides. I'd rather be competitive every single year because the, you don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. The playoffs are a complete crapshoot. It's a disaster. Did anybody have the Islanders going to Game 7 of these conference finals? I certainly didn't. I mean, to come within one, that Lightning squad was out of this world good. And the Islanders with Leo Komarov on line one took it to seven games and lost one nothing on a shorthanded goal. Where Florida gets into the playoffs because they have a fortunate of Pittsburgh losing to Chicago, and they go to the Stanley Cup Final. And in baseball, the Phillies go to the World Series. The Nationals go to the World Series. There's so many things that happen in the playoffs where as long as you get in, you have no idea. The Giants beat the Vikings in a, a, a road game in in. It, it, in the playoffs, like, you don't know what's going to happen. My goal is just get into the playoffs and anything could happen. However, there's a difference to it between retooling and going all in. For example, I'll use the Yankees for an example. The Yankees every year make the playoffs. Every year they have a competitive product. But in 2016, they said, you know what? We're still a good team. But we have to try to get younger. So they acquired prospects in order to do that. And I think for Vegas, it's sustainable if they do it the correct way. That's why I said, call Petrangelo. Call Jonathan Marchessault. See if anybody wants to move elsewhere to clear some cap and get some picks and prospects back in return. It's, it can be done, and it's very possible. But it's easier said than done because you don't know who you're getting back uh, uh, in return. Well, that's the game. 
if that's the gamble you take, and, and they are in the gambling capital of the world, so it <laughs> might. Yeah, and, but I mean, you know, Will, you uh, you make the point that uh, the Islanders, uh, you know, had uh, had a great start. They came uh, across a Tampa team that was pretty much unstoppable. And, you know, I remember those uh, years in the uh, early 2000s and in the 90s where the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, had a consistent run of playoff uh, victories. Uh, they made a couple of co conference finals. And uh, I mean, hey, it's uh, 1967 and counting uh, for people in my community. And, you know, uh, for someone who's an Islanders fan like yourself, uh, I was too young to remember the uh, run of the 1980s uh, when the Islanders kept winning all those cups. And they have been uh, pretty much non-existent up until uh, a couple years ago. Uh, uh, Liam, you're a, you're a Rangers fan. And... But that just goes with my point, Randy, is like I had to watch a miserable hockey team pretty much my whole life. I mean, I'm 23, and I would say 17 of my 23 years on, on Earth, my team has been miserable. So <laughs> I would accept making the playoffs every year with a chance to make it than be miserable and not do anything at all. So, I mean, we did get uh, – we did talk about uh, – the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and uh, is if what they are doing, should that be the uh, standard in terms of how uh, professional sports teams should be run? That essentially it's what have you done for me lately? Uh, you know, they're on their third coach uh, despite uh, only completing uh, six seasons in the NHL and also despite making two Stanley Cup final appearances they have a revolving door of uh, players uh, coming to and from. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury seemed to be the uh, poster boy for that franchise. And uh, he was uh, let go, uh, uh, what, in the, his second season, I believe. Uh, Liam, I, I, there has been so many times where we have seen franchises just hold on to uh, their star players and maybe that did handcuff them in the end, uh, you know, with uh, what Vegas has done. Should that be the way franchises operate? Because in the end, it's all about winning that championship, is it not? Yeah, you kind of got me uh, in a conundrum here, right? Uh, because, yeah, I would agree with you. Going back to my previous point that the Stanley Cup is everything, right? Um, but for me, I think sustained success uh, does pay off in the end for some teams. And I'll go, go back to the 2018 Washington Capitals uh, and how many years upon years upon years there was playoff disappointments uh, featuring Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, and of course, they finally get the job done. Why? Because they stuck with their roster and they had belief uh, in that core uh, was going to get it done. And I think you're speaking from a little bit of the Maple Leafs perspective, right? Uh, with their core of players, especially among the forward group with Nylander, uh, Matthews, Marner, and Tavares. Um, but again, I think there have been examples of both. Uh, sticking it out has paid off and going for it has paid off. We saw it with the Vegas Golden Knights this past year being aggressive, and we saw it uh, featuring a great example with the Washington Capitals um, in 2018. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, – well, yeah, you, I don't think you were born uh, when the Florida Marlins won their first World Series. But, I mean, they were just an absolute dog franchise, and then they 
acquired all of these all-stars Moises Alou Bobby Bonilla they had Kevin Brown uh you know the list goes on they won that world series and in the very next year they dismantled it and they were like I believe the worst team record wise in major league baseball and uh but anyway I digress and uh you know hopefully uh I don't know if Will is able to uh hear us his video is off at the moment but you know Liam I, I got you I got yeah you. okay got great you. you're uh still able to hear so uh you know the question uh for both of you is is Vegas a hockey town I mean is it the same as a Detroit is it a, the same as a Montreal Toronto um, you know, the various boroughs of New York, uh, you know, I, hey, Vegas seems to have a lot of interest. You know, Will, uh, very quickly before uh, you jump on here is that I was in Nashville uh, in December, this past December. I wasn't able to go to the hockey game, but the uh, game uh, did let out and there was a sea of Predators fans. And I mean, they just had this marketing blitz over the past couple of years. You think of Smashville, you think about the gold, uh, the, you know, the yellow during their playoffs and so on. But it didn't, you know, it took a long time for that to happen. But I mean, hey, uh, you, you take a look at that scene uh, at T-Mobile when you're watching those Golden Knight games, and they it seems to be quite a party. Yeah, I, certainly. And is it a hockey town? I'd say so. And I think it's becoming more of a sports town, right? Vegas is, has the Raiders now. They have the Knights, and now they're trying to get the Oakland A's, who will probably move them to Vegas. And it's becoming a hockey town, which is nice to see. It's becoming a sports town, which is nice to see. It's crazy after all these years, you would think that Vegas, out of all the cities in the world, would have a sports team. And it wasn't until six years ago that it finally happened. Yeah, I, I I mean, obviously the question is, is that are those uh, Golden Knight fans going to return if the uh, the team hits the tank for uh, a couple of years? Uh, so, uh, you know, multiple. I don't even think, and like Liam and I spoke about this before, and I, I want to hear what Liam says, but I don't even think it, it has to be the fan base. Like, if you are a tourist in Vegas and you're down there on vacation, you're going to want to go see a hockey game. And I'm sorry I'm all moving around. I'm trying to unpack everything. No, um, of course. <laughs> you, you're going to want to see a hockey game if, if you are in Vegas. But I think regardless of the fan base, they're not they're going to sell. It is Vegas. People go on sorry, uh, Will, your, uh, your audio is oh, weak. So uh, we just lost uh, Will there. Uh, hopefully he'll uh, jump on momentarily. But, you know, Liam, I mean, uh, when you think of the NHL, do you think of Vegas as a hockey town? See, I come at it from a different perspective. Um, I don't put it on the same tier as necessarily a Detroit or a Toronto uh, because I think that there's longevity that's gone, uh, you know, with both of those organizations that have made it a hockey town, um, especially with Toronto. And I'm sorry to bring this up, Randy, but, you know, they've Appreciate gone through you. their hardships, you know, especially <laughs> recently. And like you just said, what if there comes a time uh, where Vegas, you know, goes through similar struggles to where, you know, it isn't a party anymore and you aren't competing uh, for the Stanley Cup season after season, you know? And I don't think it's a matter of, when, of if, I think it's a matter of when uh, for Vegas, because going back to our previous conversation, they have steered their organizational direction to where long-term is not what they're thinking. So there's going to come a time where push is going to come to shove and we will truly see uh, whether Vegas is a hockey town. But for me, I wouldn't put them on that same tier as Detroit, Toronto, New York, et cetera. Well, why don't we talk about Miami for a second? Because uh, they did have a similar beginning, uh, not maybe 
as uh, immediate as the Vegas Golden Knights, but uh, they did make the cup final in their third season uh, way back in the mid-90s there. And uh, they lost to uh, Colorado in the uh, 96 final. Uh, but it was a long time uh, coming uh, for Florida to have any sort of relevance. Uh, you know, it was that cup run in 96 where they went 26 years without winning a playoff round. And then they uh, had some uh, success the year prior with Andrew Burnett as coach. And obviously this run here. Uh, Will, uh, I'm not sure if you're able to hear uh uh, but, uh, you know, with regard, it seems that uh, Will is uh, with us. Uh, with regards to Miami, I, I mean, do you, th they obviously, uh, the fans returned. And I mean, uh, that was, that was a long stretch of futility. I don't know how many uh, Leaf fans would be that passionate, uh, you know, after a 26 year drought of playoff uh, relevance. But I guess, do you think that the team, will be able to keep this momentum going. We did see the Montreal Canadiens make a cup final and then everything had blown up uh, in the end. I mean, like, uh, where do you think uh, the Panthers uh, will fall? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, season, next season. I, apolo I apologize for my camera. I'm trying to get it to work. But Hey, hey, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, Your beautiful if, if voice is all we need, Will. It pops like it pops on now, and then I leave it, I leave it, I leave it, I leave it, and then eventually it just cuts out. All so good. like, all good. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But like I said, Florida has done what I've been trying to tell Vegas to do, and that is to constantly. I mean, they've rebuilt from all the way from the bottom, right? Aaron Ekblad was a first overall pick. Sasha Barkov was a top pick. Jonathan Huberto was a top pick. Was later flipped for Matthew Kachuk. So they've done this before. They've built within the draft. They've signed key free agents. They've done it before. So I think so. And I don't think it's necessarily fan-driven. Again, people go away in the wintertime, especially down to South Florida, because it is very nice down there. So mm -hmm. I think they'll have enough money as far as tourists, you know, to be able to last and to do it again. And I think showing them what it was like to have both the Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers in the playoffs, in the championship at the same time, that city had an extra oomph to it. And I think it goes a long way. Yeah. One person that has to be uh, just over the moon with regards to the uh, success of uh, this, uh, the teams uh, like uh, that made it to the uh, respective conference finals has to be Gary Bettman, the commissioner. I mean, uh, he has uh, put all those teams in the Southern United States. And, I mean, Liam, as a, uh, a member of the Atlanta Gladiators, uh, obviously there was a run of uh, the uh, Thrashers in uh, uh, Atlanta during uh, Batman's reign. And... That being said, you think about what's going on in uh, Arizona and the the really long stretch of time where uh, Nashville took to uh, a lot more prominence. Uh, Carolina, I mean, uh, it seems that once uh, Tom Dundon started uh, to run the uh, franchise, that it started to have its own identity, an identity that was kind of criticized by uh, traditionalists in the National Hockey League. I mean... You are 
right at ground zero there in the southern United States, uh, you know, uh, and you are uh, working uh, uh, in uh, this uh, this market and industry. Do you think that, uh, I mean, this is a sign of things to come that hockey will start to evolve so much more with regards to uh, like all these teams that seem to be uh, in a good place uh, the past uh, couple of years? Yeah, I, I think hockey is just in a great place in general. Um, and I just think, you know, the enjoyment um, from fans, especially in the United States, is at an all-time high. Uh, and I think that absolutely trickles down to the southern part of the, uh, the United States. And I think it's a great thing for hockey. It's a great thing for the NHL that, again, going back to the conversation that we had before, um, that four of the teams that were uh, in uh, that were conference finalists uh, this past season, you know, were part of the southern part of the United States. Um, and it goes to show that, you know, it's competitive. The teams are competitive down there. And when that's the case, um, fan investment is going to be at its peak. So, um, again, being at ground zero, I can definitely tell you that there's a lot of love um, for hockey in Georgia and especially in the Atlanta area. And there's definitely um, a yearning uh, for the Atlanta Thrashers to come back or just for the NHL to come back in general. Uh, but fans should realize and people uh, locally should realize that the Atlanta Gladiators are right here and that we're, uh, we're a great uh, ECHL example of uh, where you can come and enjoy the game uh, in this part of town. So. And I think one thing that uh, people just fail to realize is that you're watching a product where these players want to get to that next level. I mean, which is why I'm just in so much admiration of not only the uh, Canadian Hockey League and the Ontario Hockey League, uh, you know, the uh, feeder uh, program to uh, for all these uh, players to get drafted in the NHL. I mean, one of the major ones, of course, uh, NCAA and programs in Europe. You think about the G League, uh, Raptors 905. It's just these these people who are just doing everything they can to uh, to make it to uh, the pros and the dedication and that they're not taking uh, any shifts off uh, because, you know, uh, of uh, what could potentially happen uh, for the rest of their careers. So, yeah, uh, definitely be uh, watching uh, with, uh, with great interest with regards to uh, hockey and uh, especially the Southern United States and especially in uh, Liam's new hometown uh, in the uh, Atlanta uh, area. Uh, guys, why don't we uh, take things over to uh, the uh, free agent world? And, uh, you know, once the uh, Stanley Cup was awarded, uh, the... Uh, 30th of June, 1st of June, uh, July is uh, the silly season. And we've seen a number of trades and uh, free agent signings that have taken place. Uh, Will, with regards to uh, what has happened, whether it be trade-wise or free agent-wise, I mean, which team has really uh, uh, impressed you the most? I said it to Liam on our podcast yesterday. I said, you know, you People could talk about the Devils all they want, but I think the Rangers kind of made a statement. It, at the deadline, they went out and they got Kane. They went out and they got Tarasenko to say, we're going to score our way to the cup final. Well, it didn't quite work out. So I said to Liam yesterday, I said, look, Chris Drury is a rookie general manager. He's learning as he goes. He's fairly young. He's a former player. He understands what it takes to win a Stanley Cup. What does he do? He goes, all right, I need more glue guys. He goes out and gets a former leader in Blake Wheeler for 800K, who's happened to score 55 points just a year ago. He goes and he gets Riley Nash to shore up the bottom six as depth insurance pieces. He goes and gets another leader in Jonathan Quick, a good mentor for Igor Shesterkin, a good mentor for the younger guys in the room. 
So I think he's realizing, hey, if we have a good room, not to say that the Rangers locker room wasn't very good, but when you have Kane and Tarasenko who probably think that their crap don't stink, it might rub off on certain players. So I think he's realizing let's prioritize culture over offense, and I think that's what he's doing. And I think it'll pay dividends for them. I really do. I Blake Wheeler reminds me of, of a poor man's Chris Kreider, right? They're both really good leaders. They both play the game super, super hard. They have a net front presence. They have a little uh, grit to them. And I think having both of them will go a very, very long way. Well, to play devil's advocate, Will, just real quick, sorry to interrupt, but Blake Wheeler was stripped of the captain's seat last year with the Winnipeg Jets. That's what true, but that also Paul Maurice named him captain, and Rick Bonus, who has a history of, you know, not being liked by his players, took the captaincy off um, Blake Wheeler. And, I, I mean, to oh. be fair, Dustin Brown lost his captaincy as well. Well, there was just it was just very well known around the hockey community and around the NHL world that Winnipeg's locker room uh, issues uh, um, were well known. Uh, so again, just gives me a little bit of hesitation, but uh, now I'm happy with the signings for the Rangers. Evander Kane on line look one. At it, look at it this way, Liam. Look at it this way, Liam. He's coming into a locker room where you know Chris Kreider, who in my mind should be the captain. You know Chris Kreider is not going to let anything happen in that locker room. Hell, he punched uh, Tony D'Angelo for making fun of a backup goalie who's no longer on the team. You know Truba, you know Kreider are not going to let whatever Blake, if he was even doing anything in Winnipeg, have on New York. That's not who Chris Kreider is. And when I think of the Rangers captain, I think of Kreider. I don't think of Truba. I think of Kreider because of he is a leader in my mind. He should be the captain. But how many more leaders do you need, Will? And I mean, I do I find this very lot, ironic. Though. Like, I think you need a lot. Like, I think you need a lot of leaders because it's it can hurt. Like, Blake Wheeler has been there. He's done that. Truba has been there. He's done that. Truba and Wheeler are former captains. And you know Truba probably said, let's get Wheeler. He's really, really – he's a good player. He's a good leader. They know each other from their time in Winnipeg. But, uh, okay, so you have Kane and Tarasenko. You sign Wheeler. You have Jonathan Quick. Um, you know, how many voices do you need in the end? Uh, it's just, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I could kind of see, uh, I mean, does, do you need someone like Jonathan Quick when you have an Igor Shesterkin? I, I, I and, uh, you have, uh, three cups in, um, uh, Patrick Kane, you got the, uh, cup with Tarasenko when he was with St. Louis. I mean, uh, yeah, Blake Wheeler, he, he gave it everything he could in Winnipeg. But change, I guess, did have to happen. Uh, you know, I mean, it's so easy for us uh, to say uh, to say that. And also, I do find it ironic that you, uh, the Islander fan, is uh, giving props to the Rangers while uh, Liam, the Ranger fan, is kind of uh, disputing everything you said. So, well, you know, Liam good on knows, you. <laughs> Liam knows firsthand. I, I mean, I mocked him for signing or or trading for Kane. I, uh, I mocked him. I said it was going to be horrible. I, I said. I said the guy can't defend, he can't back, uh, back check, and it was evident in the playoffs that he was very invisible at times. And listen, my team is run by Lula Murillo. He used to be run by Barry Trotz as well. This is what they do. They find these gritty guys who can be a difference maker, like the J.G. Pajos, the Blake Wheelers, the Kyle Palmieri's, the Sezikis's, the Clutterbucks. This is what they do. They And it, to a sense... It worked. Look at Tampa, Barkley Goodrow, Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman. To a sense, it worked. Ross Colton. So it, teams are picking up on it, and I think it's going to work. 
Well, uh, and I do want to give another shout out to uh, Jay Cardinale, another uh, Rangers fan. He said that uh, he's also happy that the Rangers got a coach that won't change the lines uh, four times in a game. And I guess he's referring to uh, Peter Laviolette. Uh, now, it has been a number of years uh, since uh, he found uh, the Holy Grail winning the uh, cup with Carolina. Um, uh, that was back in 2006. But, I mean, he had a stop in uh philly he had a stop in nashville uh i mean his time in uh, the uh, islanders as well uh do you think that uh what do you guys think about in terms of laviolette i mean yeah sure he has the moxie but i mean doesn't moxie have an expiry date is he a significant improvement over gerard Gallant? probably not um, but I think that it just came down to the fact that the Rangers needed a new voice in, in that locker room. I think uh, Gallant lost the room at the end of the year. I think when you're seeing uh, no development uh, in terms of your two top young players in Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere, you know, you can't really point your finger at the player at the 19, 20 year old. You know, you got to point your finger at the coach. And I think switching out Gallant for Peter Laviolette, you know, more of an offensive approach. Um, like uh, Jay Cardinale said, won't switch up the lines four times every single period. Um, I certainly agree with that, and I definitely resonate with that as a Ranger fan. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's a good move. Um, I think based on the options that the Rangers had, uh, I think Laviolette was probably the best choice. Because if they had gone with John Hines, uh, just ask, ask Will, I probably wouldn't have been too happy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, that being said, uh, it seems that uh, there is uh, something afoot with regards to uh, star NHL players, uh, budding stars in the league um, who are playing for Canadian teams and that they have reportedly requested a trade. Now, I mean, you could look at this in multiple angles. I mean, it's been 30 years since a team uh, based in, out of Canada has won the Stanley Cup. Uh, of course, a number of teams have made the cup final uh, between Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Ottawa, Montreal, not not Toronto, but uh, hey, I digress. But uh, I mean, hey, we saw it last year uh, with uh, Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk wanting to leave Calgary. We uh, have reportedly seen it with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who uh, wanted to get out of uh, Winnipeg. Now he's in L.A., uh, you know, Tyler Toffoli, apparently, and uh, Connor Hellebach apparently wants out. I mean, Will, do you think that this is the new norm or is this just a coincidence? Like, I mean, is is there, should there be no, some concern? This isn't the new normal. I mean, Alex DeBrinket is kind of pushing his way to go to Detroit. And I think they're copying how NFL players do it, NBA players do it. So this is the new normal, in my opinion. I'm not surprised, especially Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's done this before. He wanted out of Columbus. Now he wants out of uh, Winnipeg. So, I mean, look, the reality is, is that if you are an athlete, a star athlete, hey, maybe you can even go further than this. If you're a, a celebrity of any sorts, uh, whether it be in acting or if you're a business uh, mogul, you're going to get recognized, you're going to get the uh, praise, and you're also going to get the criticism. And if I was uh, leading a league, if I was a Adam Silver, if I was a Gary Bettman, you do want as many franchises as you possibly can, number one. Number two, 
you do want to have the opportunity to have every team get an equal shot in uh, winning the championship. You know, it's interesting because like I, years back, I remember the Golden State Warriors being a team of irrelevance. And now all of a sudden, uh, they're one of the more uh, appealing uh, franchises in uh, is NBA history. Could the same thing happen for the Denver Nuggets? I mean, they have a couple of uh, pieces that could lead them that way in Jamal Murray and, of course, Nikola Jokic. But uh, people uh, get into hockey, uh, and uh, Canada has uh, loved hockey for, for all these years. But, I mean, is that essentially the downfall for players not wanting to play here, it just seems it just seems too uh, unfortunate for uh, anything. Uh, Liam, I don't know if you had any comment towards this. Yeah, and you no, know, for me, I don't really think it's the market uh, that makes players not want to be there. I just think it's the specific situation. And you know, I'll go back to what Will said before. If you take a look at Pierre Luc Dubois and his career trajectory, he forced his way out of Columbus to get his way to Winnipeg. So you knew that there was going to come a time that if Winnipeg wasn't, you know, a Stanley Cup contender, a realistic Stanley Cup contender, that Dubois was probably going to do the same and probably force his way to another team that could utilize his services more. Um, so I'll disagree with you, you and Will. In, in that point and I don't think it's a trend uh, I just think it's uh, player specific and you got to look uh, at each situation basis by basis and it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens uh, with Calgary with uh, Winnipeg I mean hey even uh, communities like Toronto I mean uh, Calgary's uh, general manager Brad Tree Living uh, apparently like look, looked like he pulled a rabbit out of his uh, hat when he uh, got Jonathan Huberdeau uh, MVP uh, uh, finalist or if he was uh I, I can't I do apologize I can't remember if he was uh, a finalist for the MVP his final season in Florida but he had over 100 points and then uh, completely crapped it uh the his first season in Calgary but then he signs Nazem Kadri and then of course uh he was let go Treliving was what's going to happen in Toronto I mean that remains to be seen and what's going to happen I mean in terms of uh Chicago uh there was quite a run uh, with uh, Jonathan Taves and uh, Patrick Kane. Uh, obviously, uh, Kane is no, uh, no longer uh, with Chicago. Uh, Taves is at the uh, twilight of his career. And uh, lo and behold, there's a uh, new savior on a shiny white horse, and that's uh, Connor Bedard. And uh, there's a lot riding on Connor Bedard uh, being that next great uh, superstar. And... Liam, I mean, what do you expect uh, out of this uh, kid from uh, Western Canada? I mean, he had an incredible run in the uh, Western Hockey League and is apparently the next Sidney Crosby. I mean, how uh, how long a, a, tr a journey is Connor Bedard going to need until he gets uh, the Chicago Black Blackhawks to where they were? I expect a uh, generational talent, and uh, it's an embarrassment of riches, right, um, just for the organization of the Chicago Blackhawks to be able to draft uh, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, to be able to rebuild your team uh, and create a dynasty um, from 2010 up until 2015 and now have the chance to do it again um, with a talent potentially with a higher ceiling than Patrick Kane had uh, in 2007. Uh, Connor Bedard belongs in the conversation with Connor McDavid. 
Austin Matthews, Sidney Crosby uh, as on the short list of the uh, most elite number one picks uh, to come through the NHL. And for Chicago, uh, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. I think that might be a little bit um, of a reach, uh, but I think that the, their general manager is definitely trying to uh, put the pieces in place uh, to have Bedard have a successful uh, first year with the team. Well, I mean, uh, when you have somebody like a Connor Bedard, uh, there is obviously uh, a lot of observation into how long he's going to take. Uh, you know, if you compare someone like uh, Gretzky, he uh, won his first Stanley Cup in his sixth NHL season. Uh, Lemieux needed seven. Sidney Crosby needed four. Uh, Connor, Bede uh, Connor McDavid, excuse me, uh, hasn't made it to the uh cup final yet and uh with whether you uh measure uh, uh success in terms of championships and you know all uh all roads lead to that you do uh it does help considerably to win a championship if you are one of those elite level talents uh with regards to uh, Bedard, I mean, uh, Liam just said that uh, he doesn't believe the uh, Blackhawks are going to make the playoffs. Uh, do you think uh, the same way? And I mean, like, do you think that uh, Bedard's going to uh, need a few more years and a few more pieces to uh, get Chicago back into, uh, you know, that winning feeling? Yeah, I don't think they're far away. I think the playoffs might be a stretch this season. But, I mean, they signed guys like Corey Perry and Nick Foligno to kind of you know, keep them relevant and reach the cap floor. And, you know, it's – they're not going to be very good, but they're not going to be very bad. I think they're going to be what the Red Wings were kind of this season, where they were hovering around a wild card spot, hovering, 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 and then kind of flamed out at the end. I think that's what we're going to see. It's going to be some exciting times on the midway, for sure. And, uh, you know, uh, as a kid growing up, uh, the Leafs and the Blackhawks were in the same division. And uh, there was uh, always uh, fear of uh, the likes of Jeremy Roenick and Ed Belfour. And uh, when I think of the Blackhawks, uh, the same with the uh, Red Wings and, uh, you know, with uh, Connor Bedard. I mean, he just seems like uh, the real deal. And it'd be really exciting to see uh you know guys uh, as we record this episode it is the 8th of july i'd be remiss if i didn't wish you boys a happy 4th of july and uh if you uh, weren't aware uh, uh canada day was on the uh, 1st of july so i mean i like to think of the first week as uh birthday week uh for our respective countries and you know when i think of the uh 4th of july and i'm sure uh, you two guys being a couple of new yorkers can appreciate this i can't help but uh, not think about the hot dog eating contest that takes place at Coney Island. I mean, I remember the days of Kobayashi, and this guy was just unstoppable. And then, lo and behold, here comes Joey Chestnut. And uh, once again, this guy is a uh, champion of the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. And, you know, uh, very quickly, I mean, I thought to ask, like... Uh, Celebrating the 4th of July, especially as uh, as New Yorkers, proud New Yorkers that you are, I mean, does it include the hot dog eating contest? I mean, it ain't a 4th of July, in my opinion, until you have some hot dogs or see the hot dog eating competition. Like, I live, I mean, I live by the shore, so I'm always at the beach on the 4th of July, and we always have hot dogs. I'm actually heading to the beach right now, and, you know, it's... It's always fun because you have the hot dogs, you have the cheeseburgers, but it ain't the same 
until Joey Chestnut eats his 60-plus damn hot dogs <laughs> on the 4th of July. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if you knew this, Randy, but it was supposed to be canceled this year because of the rains. And the rumor on on Twitter is that Chestnut went back to the guys and said, "We're going to do this, and we're going to do this, motherfucker." And he <laughs> he may have just wanted to win, but he's pretty. I mean, he's my MJ right now. You know that type of comment. That's like, yeah, that's prime MJ. Hell yeah, let's go have some hot dogs. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if you're tongue in cheek, but I mean, Liam, like. How uh, how revered is Joey Chestnut with regards to uh, you know uh, to your country? And I mean, I, I can imagine that maybe uh, not a lot of people think about uh, Chestnut uh, outside of Fourth of July weekend. But I mean, you have to think that uh, he would get recognized if he was to walk through the uh, various streets of uh, good old USA. I would. It's pretty crazy that Joey Chestnut would be recognized um, on the streets of Coney Island or New York City, uh, but Tyler Sagan uh, wouldn't be recognized, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, in a Texas ball um, or what have you. But uh, going back to what Will said, Fourth uh, of July just doesn't seem complete uh, until Joey Chestnut uh, has scoffed down his uh, sixty-five, whatever uh, his average is, uh, plus hot dogs. So. Um, yeah, no, definitely. It's great to see a lot of pride uh, being from New York to be able to watch from afar and uh, and watch that tradition every year from Coney Island. And it's great to see the passing of the torch too, right? From Kobayashi to Joey Chestnut. You know, who's going to be the next one to take over the reins? I think there's uh, there might be somebody else soon. So. Well, I'll, I'll, do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll take it over. I'll take it over. What's your, what's your, uh, what's your record <laughs> hey, there? you're going to do it, Will? Uh, sorry, Will. Will, how many? Uh, sorry, you're uh, you're kind of breaking up there, uh, Will. Hopefully, we could get you back, but uh, you oh, know, I said I said I, um, I, I can barely get through two hot dogs without feeling sick, so I don't know how he eats sixty-two and oh. goes about the flight. Well, uh, truth be told, I went to a, a Jays game and they have two-dollar hot dog Tuesdays. I had three. And I was at my limit. And I mean, like, I'm a, I'm a guy who's 6'3", 250 pounds. Like, I mean, I got some space in me. And Joey Chestnut, let along, uh, sorry, uh, the the female winner of the hot dog eating contest. I mean, she's a little thing. Like, I mean, she was like no more than five, five, 130 pounds, give or take. And I mean, she crushed, what, 40? Good Lord. I mean, I'd love to win a title, but I mean, I don't know if I could douse my hot dogs in water, let alone, I mean, not have it with mustard and sauerkraut. I mean, that's, uh, that's my go-to guys. I, that's that, but Hey, I digress. Randy, let me, let me say one last thing. Cause I do have to jump off. Um, I do got to hop on a quick call with my job before I. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I I'm operating as it's 5 PM, um, uh, my time. Cause I got to go to bed early today. Yeah, um, I guess you but are. really quickly. Um, the hot dog eating contest is a lot of fun, but I think I would do very well in, in, in a lemonade drinking contest. I scarf down, <laughs> I scarf down sugar like it's water, and it's awful for your body. It's awful. But I think if there was a lemonade, and there is a lemonade drinking contest, Eric Badlands won it this year. He's from Long Island. I would do so well in that thing. I would scarf down lemonades like it's nothing. But Randy, it was great, great, great doing this again. I want to do this again. On a day where I'm not hectic, maybe Liam and I could figure out a time that works best with your schedule. Um, I know in a couple of weeks I'm off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 
and Friday, four Perfect. straight days where I'm not working, so we could work something out like that. But Randy, it was great to have you know, great to join you again, Liam. It's great as always. I think we're very good together, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, uh, I mean, you were just finishing off a shift uh, from uh, two to ten. I mean, you were uh, on your way home in your car when you first uh, logged on this call. Really appreciate you. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, get together. I can't thank you enough for squeezing me in. And uh, yeah, let's get together really soon. Okay. He is uh, Will Pesek, a uh, producer from uh, News 12 out of Hunter Valley in Long Island, New York. And, uh, you know, Liam, uh, very quickly, uh, before we uh, sign off here, uh, you were talking about the fact that uh, uh, Joey Chestnut may get recognized and uh, someone like Tyler Sagan may not. And uh, Victor Wembenyama sure got recognized by, of all people, Britney Spears, a pop music icon. And uh, reports suggested that Britney Spears... Uh, saw Victor Wembenyama as they were both crossing paths uh, uh, through some hotel in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, Spears wanted to take a picture, and uh, Wembenyama's uh, security detail um, gives her uh, like a, a slap across the face, and video had uh, surfaced. I mean, uh, very quickly, like, I mean, uh, how, uh, how, surprising is that i mean that this kid who hasn't even played a game of nba basketball is getting uh recognized by one of the top music stars uh in history oh uh will you're on mute excuse me was muted uh, i'll say this first and foremost i think victor Wembanyama is one of the most uh recognizable uh athletes uh in the world um so you know britney spears definitely noticing him not not too much of a surprise but uh the back slap from his security team uh that definitely is and uh just not a great situation for a player who's really beginning to make his mark in the nba i think that was right before his first ever preseason game which was last night in the summer league um and he didn't have a great performance so maybe uh Britney Spears had some voodoo and uh, put it put it over Victor Wembanyama yesterday, but uh, yeah, definitely um, definitely a tough situation. I think he's handling it well, um, and welcome to America. Yeah, I'm, I mean, if I am feeling the most, I, I'm thinking that after hearing of this story, there is no chance that Britney Spears would see Brandon Miller or uh, would notice Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson, and. These guys and all of those kids who got drafted in the, uh, the uh, just in this past NBA draft, there's no chance that Britney Spears would want to take a picture with any of those kids other than Victor Wembanyama. So uh, honestly, uh, hey, good on Victor. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, and it'd be along with uh, him and Connor Bedard. Uh, you know, it's uh, definitely some exciting times for not only Chicago but uh, for San Antonio as well. You know. Uh, Liam, finally, you know, as uh, you, me, and Will, we were talking about hockey in the southern United States, and, I mean, uh, the Arizona Coyotes just seems to be an absolute dog with fleas. And with regards to uh, where things are right now, uh, they're playing in a 5,000-seat uh, arena at uh, Arizona State University. You have to think that uh, the clock's going to strike 12 and that the Coyotes are going to ship out somewhere. Um, where do you think, I mean, if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, if you actually think that there may be a chance to revive this uh, franchise in the uh, greater Phoenix area, but 
Where do you think uh, the Coyotes are going to be in a couple of years? I mean, do you have a city in mind? Uh, I do. Um, I don't think that they're going to be in Arizona. Uh, I can tell you that. Um, although I do think that Gary Bettman is going to exercise um, every single option that he has um, to try and keep the Coyotes in the state. Um, but for me, uh, I think there are a few notable markets. Of course, everyone's going to look at Quebec, right, and say that 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 you know, second uh, another market in the you know in the Montreal area. Um, but for me, I don't really think it's it's suitable. Um, for me, the answer is Houston. Uh, they have the arena uh, where the Houston Rockets play. I believe the Toyota Center. Um, and again, I think Texas is a big enough state uh, to where you know they can add another fan base um, and bring bring Houston in. But well, I, I definitely agree with the sentiment of uh, well, with Quebec City, I just don't see it happening because uh, I think it's one of those markets where. I mean, we're obviously seeing it these days where a lot of uh, star talent are uh, sh showing a lot of apprehension in playing in Canadian markets. It'll be tough to have a life of anonymity. And I mean, let alone in a community that's uh, significantly French speaking. I mean, Montreal, it's uh, split 50-50, but uh, Quebec City, it's uh, a significantly French speaking uh, community. Uh, with Houston, I got to tell you, I don't feel that Houston's going to be an option as well. Like I, I went to a Golden Knights game uh, in its first season. They were playing San Jose, and uh, they were already had Raiders gear because the announcement was made that the Raiders were going to move from Oakland to uh, to Vegas, and there was already flooded with uh, the stores were already flooded in the Strip with uh, Raiders gear. But you think about Houston, I mean. Between the Rockets, the Texans, the Astros, and the college sports scene, that an NHL team is going to, uh, you know, muscle its way in and uh, get into the sports calendar, I just don't see it. With me, I'd love to get your thoughts, uh, you know, putting you on the spot here. I think the best market is Salt Lake City. I think Salt Lake City, Utah is, uh, and you do, you take a look at uh, the Jazz uh, just uh, an incredible, uh, you know, basketball market. Uh, they don't have an NFL team. Uh, and I don't really know what their college scene is like. Maybe you could uh, sort of uh, chime in on this. Uh, but uh, with regards to Utah, it seems like it's a very passionate fan base. And it seems like uh, they could use another team, uh, especially during those winter months. What do you think? Yeah, you know, the second team out of my mouth would have been uh, – or second city out of my mouth, rather, would have been Utah. Uh, I think that would be a good choice uh, to expand the NHL, too. I know that they have a um, an owner um, of the Jazz who definitely wouldn't mind expanding to the NHL as well. Um, of course, the arena uh, is always a big uh, factor to look into, uh, and they have that covered up as well. Um, so I definitely think it's an option. Uh, I think if you know the comes push comes to shove and Coyotes have to move and I think like I said before I think Gary Bettman is going to try his damnedest uh, to get the Coyotes to stay where they're at. But uh, like you and me, uh, I think both uh, agree on uh, I think that uh, the Coyotes are not going to be able to stay where they're at and I think Salt Lake City uh, is a good spot for them. So again, we'll see. And yep. again, uh, the you know, just speaking from the ECHL perspective, uh, the Utah Grizzlies um, play over there, uh, and they're very successful, um, you know, attendance-wise and stuff like that. So, you know, again, a little bit of a smaller scale in terms of the ECHL, um, but hockey works in Utah. So, again, we'll see. Mm. 
Yeah, we definitely will. Uh, and uh, Liam, I just want to—I can't thank you and uh, uh, Will enough for for joining me tonight. And uh, you know, uh, joining—you uh, know—doing up this podcast. It's—I uh, never really thought that you know to have, connect with uh, such passionate people outside of my country. Uh, you know, to uh, to talk about the, the sports that we love so much. Uh, you know, really hope that uh, we could. Uh, cut it up one of these days. Love to introduce you to uh, my co-caster, Tony Antonio. He's actually uh, listening on Twitter spaces and we've had some really passionate discussions uh, on and off uh, the sports uh, scene. So uh, uh, Liam, uh, thank you so much for everything. Good luck on your uh, second season uh, uh, as a uh, part of the Gladiators. Really hope everything uh, uh, works well for you and I hope you have a great summer, my man. Oh, wow. I'm muted again. Well, thank you for having <laughs> us, and we'll talk well before then. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that is uh, Liam Godimer. Want to thank Will Pesek without a doubt. And I do want to give a shout out once uh, to Emily Morgan. I had the chance to interview Emily a couple of weeks ago. She's based out of Milwaukee, and she has done a really great project with regards to uh, redesigning sports logos. It's taken off as a hobby, and she has attracted 100,000 Instagram followers alone. I'm actually wearing one of her designs. And I uh, don't even know if she uh, knows that I had uh, purchased some of her products. So want to give a shout out to Emily. Definitely want to give a shout out to uh, Will, to Jake Cardinale, and to Tony Antonio, who is uh, listening. Will Pesek, obviously, and uh, Liam, thanks so much. Let's do it again soon, okay? My pleasure. We'll talk soon, Randy. Thank you. You bet. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. I'm Randy Coure. Uh, Check us out uh, for information of uh, this episode, as well as episodes from the past, Website is whatsuppodcast.blogspot.com. Internet uh, for social media, Instagram is what's up podcast, as well as on Twitter. Hope you're doing well and keeping safe. And we will talk to you next time.